This is the Well-Tempered Wireless on 90.9 FM. And joining me now, I'm very uh, happy to welcome uh, to our studio, for I think for the first time, Jean-Yves Thibaudet, you're here. Hello, Chris. How are you? You're fresh from rehearsal? Yes. I don't know if I'm fresh, but I'm certainly right from rehearsal. Oh, yeah. wow. You look, you look fresh to me. <laughs> it's a bit early for me, but... Ah, well... <laughs> Uh, that's, let's see, what, in France it would be what? Uh, oh, no, no, I, I live in Los Angeles now, so oh, I'm more well. like... Oh, I see. So, I mean, so it's it was, like seven. Yeah, and I woke up, you know, two or three hours ago, so it was really early. Oh, my. <laughs> well, well, you have your coffee there, I see. I know, no, but I'm fine, no, no. Uh, I understand, and I just found this out today, this morning, that you have something in common with Leonard Slatkin, our music director, other than your love for music, of course, <laughs> is that you are both Chevaliers. Oh, of what? Which one? Well, let's see. Uh, you're a, a supposedly a, uh, where is it? Boy, I just had it here. French Chevalier of Arts and Letters. Oh, I'm actually officier now. An officier, yeah. Yeah, so I you, was upgraded to well, officier. You, this is the question I'm about to ask. Uh, and uh, Leonard's a chevalier in the French Legion of Honor. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, so, we, you know, we love our distinction and our medals in France. People, what? the orders of this order. I mean, if this is an order for everything, you have no idea. To the order, well, the, of, I mean, really. The question is, since you are an officier, uh, do you outrank Leonard <laughs> among the chevaliers? Well, yeah, this chevalier, officier, commandeur, uh, and then it goes to grand officier ah. and grand croix. Aha, so, so here you are as, as, as our soloist, and you actually outranked the conductor. But I started earlier, you know. He came to France <laughs> later. No, I mean, he, yeah, he came to France later, so. But, but it he, doesn't mean. But he spends time in your old home. He, no, he does now, absolutely. More than me, by far. I mean, I'm, I'm hardly ever there. Uh, Lyon, we're talking about. Yes, and, and a lovely is, city. And is the music director of the orchestra there. It was yes, a fine orchestra. Absolutely. It's a beautiful orchestra, and he's done wonders there, of course, since he's there. The orchestra has just been, you know, the level raised up, and it's a lovely city, and I think he enjoys. It's part part of his life there. When was the last time you were home in Lyon? I think not since like June or July, ah. and then I won't be back before like November or December. Now I'm hardly ever there anymore. Ah. It's sad when I mean, my mother's there, my sister, my family. I just can't. You know, I'm just not there. It's far from. I'm in the States. I'm in Asia. I do when I come back to Europe. Of course, I have my house in Paris, and I I go there as soon as I can. But it's just not so much. You know. Oh. It's the life of the uh, the, the itinerant. Yeah, uh, it's musician. a cra it's crazy life. Yeah, um, you your dad had something to do with you getting into the music business, and your both of your parents actually. Yeah, they, they were wonderfully you know supporting, and they were there with me from the right beginning. Uh, well, apparently, I, w I was going to the piano when I was three, three and a half. Going, I was attracted to the instrument, and instead of kind of banging on it like most kids do, or playing for two two minutes and then do something else, I was staying there, closing the door of the living room, and singing and trying to find chords, and I could stay there for a long time. And so my parents thought maybe there was some gift there and they should take me to the conservatory, which is what they did when I was five. It kind of worked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not too bad, yeah. <laughs> uh, before we get into what you're playing tonight and tomorrow night, by the way, in, in case you were wondering, uh, Jean-Yves will be the featured soloist at the season opening concert of the Detroit Symphony tonight at 8 o'clock in Orchestra Hall and then re program repeated tomorrow night. Uh, but I wanted to play a, a short track from another one of your albums. Here. Okay. This is uh, Monsieur Jean-Yves Thibaudet in conversation with Bill Evans.
Waltz for Debbie by Bill Evans, uh, played by Jean-Yves Thibaudet, my guest, uh, from his album, Conversations with Bill Evans. So what what did you and Bill talk about? So delicious. In your conversation. Oh, oh, it is, absolutely. I wish I had met him. I actually not only never met him, but I never heard him live. I mean, I've, now I've heard just about everything he ever recorded, but I've never met him live, and so that's a very sad thing for me, but... Well, the conversation was very musical and, you know, but it was a beautiful conversation. I have to say that we really have, there's a connection with him for some reason. And I knew that immediately when I started listening to his music is the way he played the piano, his touch, which is very unusual in the jazz world, that really gentle, beautiful colors, creating those beautiful atmospheres. And then his harmonies and his language, which is, I find very close to Debussy and Ravel and Satie. I mean, all that French period. So I really felt immediately that, that there was a connection there, and that's why I wanted to do uh, this album. And, and I chose the title. I, I think it's a beautiful title because, mm-hmm. you know, the conversation. But, of course, because of his album called Conversation With Myself, which is where he was playing, and that was amazing in those days to do that. He was playing double or triple track. I forgot, I think triple even. like So he would uh, record, and, and then, uh, and then yeah, on top of it, over, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I've done that in a few numbers uh, in, in this album, which was really fun. It's something I'd never done before. And I have to say, it's... A quite amazing experience. So you play, you record something, and then you put the cans, yeah, and, and then you play over it, and you hear, and you. It's really a, it's a fun experience. <laughs> well, it's really it's fun. This, this other guy sounds just like me. He's yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, tell me about the process of of this album. These are transcriptions. They are mostly transcription. Yes, to say uh, to say the truth. Yes, there's a little bit of actually those overdubbed stuff. Uh, I let myself go a little bit there because some of it we could not write. It goes so fast. And also because it was kind of easier for me. I mean, in general, improvisation is something in those days. This was my first attempt to play, you know, some jazz, and it's almost 20 years ago, I believe. Uh, I just had no no skill for improvisation. That, that's one thing we don't learn, the conservatory yeah. improvisation. So it's a completely new thing for me, and I was very un- unhappy with the way I was doing it, and it didn't work. So we decided that the way to do it was to ask some great arrangers and uh, great um, musicians to help me. Mainly was Jed Disler, uh, who really did lots of work, and Joel Silberman. And so they really transcribed. What we did though was interesting that we took a lot of Bill performances, uh, like Walls for Debbie, for example. It's made out of three or four of his performances. And then I would take the beginning of that one, the middle section of that one. Oh, I said, oh, I, we listened to a lot. I said, oh, I like uh. the way it transitioned there. And then the end of that one. And they put it together for me, and then I made, and then sometimes I change. I added a few things, but I would say is you know ninety percent was uh, was written out. Yes. Are, do you are you more comfortable improvising now? A little bit. A little I, bit? I, I don't know if comfortable is is the word. I mean, if yeah. I was put on the spot on stage and say now improvise, yeah. I think I would freak out still. <laughs> I mean, I can you know I, I like to sit down and play things, but it's just it's just not a natural thing for us. Yeah. We're so trained to learn a score, have a score, learn every note, do everything that is written properly. And there you are, son. You can do whatever you want. It's like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's almost uh, ironic. To it, think it is that, very. You know, Beethoven and, and Mozart and were all great improvisers. I, w- I was going to say, and in those days, they were all improvising. Mozart yeah. was improvising cadenza when he was right there at the spot. On the spot, he would improvise his cadenza. And then Chopin and Liszt, I think they were great improvisers, yeah. too. They they had to write down something eventually, but I'm sure they were changing every time they were performing. Well, maybe it'll come back. Yeah, right. And, and in any event, it's a great album. Conversations with Bill Evans with my guest, Johnny Thibaudet. Uh, you can hear him tonight in Orchestra Hall at 8 o'clock if, if there are any tickets left. Uh, but, you know, get on the phone or go to DSO.org. Uh, the other concert is tomorrow night, also at 8 o'clock. 
And uh, you're doing the Concerto in F by George Gershwin. Yes. Another uh, jazzy kind of a thing. Yes, another old friend. I love that piece. And I've done it so many times with Maestro Slatkin. It's one of our pieces. And I think he kind of owned that piece too. I mean, he does it like nobody else. He does yeah. it so well. Uh, it's it's a wonderful piece of music that is not, I think, appreciated enough. Is not. I think it's one of the really great piano concertos. And people forget about it sometimes. Maybe Rhapsody, everybody knows, but the concerto, it's a marvelous, it's a masterpiece, really. It's its interesting that the distance in time between Rhapsody in Blue and Concerto in F isn't that much. It was oh, just it's like a, the year after, I think, yeah, yeah. 24, 25, it was right after, yeah. But but musically, it's... It's, it's, a, it's an amazing evolution already. I mean, I th- it shows that, that what genius Gershwin was. is an unbelievable genius uh, and, and I mean, the way he, he developed and the way, I mean, even like orchestrating, he had no idea how to orchestrate for a symphony orchestra. So he got some help at the beginning, but then he went on his own and, and did it. Uh, and then the way, I mean, even the form of the concerto, I mean, the way he wrote everything, it's incredible how he could just digest that just so quickly when he had absolutely no, I mean, he didn't go to a conservatory, he didn't learn all of the things. It was all, that, that's really, and you can only imagine if he had lived another 20, 30 yeah. years, even God just, knows when he would have just written. At the rate he was going, even just five years. I know, even year, for, yeah, yeah. it was such a tragedy. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, and it's such happy music. That's what I like about his music. There's something that is so happy about it. It gives you smile. It gives you a joy. It, it's amazing. I think it's maybe it was that era at that time. You know, there was no no wars. It was between the wars. It was before the crack. It, uh, I think every, people were were happy. They were having a good life. They were having. You just feel that that amazing smile. Among the people who, that were your mentors were were two in particular who also uh, enjoyed life. I think it's safe to say one was uh, Arthur Rubinstein. Yeah, well, he was my idol for sure. Uh, he was amazing. I met him twice when I was five and I was seven. <laughs> of course, when I was seven, Hi. I remember very well though. He was playing Lyon, performing, and my, my parents took me there, and then my father took me to his dressing room after the concert, and I stayed apparently 15 minutes on his lap, and we were having conversation, and he was such a wonderful man. I just remember that that kindness, that um, that proximity. I mean, it was so easy to speak with him. He was just so such a normal, nice person, and you could see that he had such a joy. Of, he enjoyed everything, of course, music, playing the piano, but he enjoyed the flower, he enjoyed looking at the sunshine, he enjoyed beautiful ladies, he enjoyed smoking cigar, yeah. drink, drinking his wine. I mean, he just loved life, yeah. and, and you feel that in his music. It was just, and he was such a nice, nice man, and to me, that was an incredible inspiration. And of course, I admired the pianist. I wanted to be a pianist like him, but also I wanted to be a great person like him, an art, a human being that was such a good person. It was incredible. Uh, you were quoted in another interview as saying that he told you uh, something that was very important if you were going to become Absolutely. a Absolutely. Oh, yes. We, so he asked me, he asked me, what do you want to do? You know, I was playing, I mean, starting to play the piano. And I said, I want to become a pianist like you, travel around the world and play concerts. I said, <laughs> good. He said, good luck. He said, I hope you'll make it. And then he told me one thing. He said, yes, he said, remember, it's the most important thing in our life as a musicians, he said, is the audience. He said, without your audience, you don't exist. You're nothing. It's true. We, we, what do we do? We play alone at home. So he said, you always be nice to your audience and always have time for them. And, and he's, he was so right. And, and all my life I've done that is it was an inspiration. And we always, when I sign CDs or when I see people, I always tell the presenters, everybody can come and it's fine. If they want to come to the green room, I'm happy to see them. And we always have, you know, spend time with the last one. If they want to take a picture, I mean, as much time as I have. And I think it's important. And growing up as a, an artist myself, 
I went to a lot of concerts and I loved going to see the artists after meeting them. And, and sometime I would be arriving with the door closed and someone would tell me, oh no, Mr. So-and-so is very tired. He doesn't want to see anybody. I was like, <laughs> I, I was so disappointed. And I'm thinking, you know, sometimes I'm tired too, but what does it take you just to shake a hand, make a smile to someone? And it makes their life. They're it, so happy. It does. It makes them, and I, I, can, <laughs> I can testify from personal experience that you are very generous with your time. For me, it's normal. And yeah. I do it with pleasure. And I love meeting people. And it is so wonderful to, to get that feedback. People coming and say, oh, I tell you what I think the most incredible, most touching compliment that we can get is when somebody tells you, uh, I've been going through this difficult time, either you know, I lost my husband or you know, my mother is sick. Or, yeah. and, and then they'll tell you for two hours, you made me forget about everything. You took me to another world and you felt so good. And you feel, oh my God, that's amazing. What a privilege that I have that I can give that to people. That's a great thing about music. It's true. It really is. The power of music is incredible. Jean-Yves Thibaudet is my guest here tonight at 8 o'clock, Detroit uh, Symphony Orchestra, Leonard Slatkin conducting Orchestra Hall. Uh, the other mentor of uh, note, of course, was Aldo Ciccolini. Aldo Ciccolini, yes, wonderful Aldo, who unfortunately passed away this year in February. He was, well, uh, he was eight, he was just about 90. Uh, he was a great, great teacher and also, again, a great man. I think it's important. You can be a great pianist, you can be a great teacher, but the, the, the actual human being, he was so, so wonderful, so generous with, with everything in his life as well. He was so good to me, gave me so much. I always say his lessons were not piano lessons, they were lessons of life, because we were speaking about everything. Everything was not only the piano. And I think that's so, so important. You, uh, one thing that I, I've heard other musicians mention too, that I, I've always found absolutely fascinating, is that you can practice without the piano. Absolutely. And, and I would recommend it. I mean, you need to practice at the piano as well. Of course. But I would say that's once in a while, and that's something that Aldo also told me. Uh, and Rubinstein was famous for learning pieces in the train. Those days, it was long train rides. It was no, uh -huh. not so much playing. And he, he learned things. He would practice there. And Cocteau also. Um, Pr yeah, practice I think, without a piano. Yeah, without a piano. Yeah. Just looking at the score. You can really look at the score. You can, you can hear it in your head, and you can almost feel in your fingers. Uh, you can really look. You can learn lots of things. And I, I can't like... Of course, once you learn it, you have physically to learn it. But after that, uh, I can really re-memorize, re kind of you know, see an entire piece in the plane or whatever. You just look at the score, uh, and it really is incredible. And I can't even do it without the score. I can just, in my head, close my eyes. In my head, go yeah. over over the piece and, and hear all, all the piece and feel almost in my fingers you know, what happened. It's it's amazing thing that we have. It's just because we, you know, we, we practice so much and our brain is trained for that. Uh, but it is wonderful, and I do recommend. Sometimes you you see things and you learn things that you don't when you're right in front of your piano playing. So looking at the score is very important. So uh, tips for budding pianists out there? Yeah, uh, sometimes you know when you have a piano, it's great practice. But sometimes it's good also to sit down and just look at the score and learn it. And and, and like you read a book, just yeah. criticize everything, yeah. see every little detail that is there, and you find sometimes things when you're at the piano. You don't always have time. You're busy with your fingers. Yeah. You look up and down and. So this is very important to do that, too. I was going to ask you, have you ever, after you've learned a piece, looked at the score and go, oh, look at that. I never noticed that. It happens all the time. All the time. It's actually frightening. There's <laughs> some pieces that I played for 20, 30 years of my life, <laughs> some that I've recorded, and I will find that I've been playing a wrong note <laughs> for all the time. Or I find a little thing. That would be the worst thing. And it, does, yeah. it did happen. Not too many times, but it did happen a few times. But then just detail that I've never figured out. I said, oh, my God, I've never saw that. Actually, this was here. Pizza play all my life. So we learn every day, which well, is very exciting. We haven't noticed any mistakes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Jean-Yves Jean Thibaudet, you can hear him in the Concerto in F 
by George Gershwin tonight at 8 o'clock in Orchestra Hall with the Detroit Symphony Orchestra, Leonard Slatkin. It's going to be fantastic. It's a great Pro- program. Program okay. repeated tomorrow. By the way, I should probably mention that also on the program yes. is the Carnival Overture by Berlioz. Uh, Jacob Druckmann's Mirage. Which is apparently a fascinating piece. I haven't heard about it. Leonard said it was fantastic. It was two orchestras. You have an orchestra on stage and then a smaller orchestra off stage, and they kind of speak to each other, have a conversation again. Ah. He said it was a fascinating piece written about 40 years ago. Of course, Concerto and F that we mentioned, and then uh, some wonderful Richard Strauss, the suite from DeRozan Cavalier. Fabulous music. Yeah. Fabulous. Exhilarating music. Come on down and hear your orchestra in your, your wonderful hall with uh, Leonard Slatkin, Jean-Yves Thibaudet, DSO.org for tickets, or you can call the box office at 313-576-5111. That's 313-576-5111. Jean-Yves, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Pleasure. Pleasure.